You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Hey everyone, it's Dan from the Privy Marketing team uh, to introduce a really awesome uh, episode on increasing your average order value. Uh, this was actually recorded a couple of weeks back, it might be over a month now, uh, where I sat down with Omlin and Cameron from DBNY, which is an e-commerce agency. Um, you guessed it, based out of New York City. Um, and we had an awesome conversation talking about a whole bunch of things with uh, average order value, including um, why you should focus on maintaining average order value, why it's so important, uh, how to balance maintaining that average order value and offering discounts. Um, they share some tips about how to actually double your AOV with a minimum free shipping threshold. So if you're interested in something like that, you should definitely stick around and listen to this episode. And then also we talked, of course, about math and the math that you need to understand before you start testing anything with your average order value. So if you're interested in any of that, um, this is a great episode. Stick around and get, give it a listen. Here you go. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, I'm joined by Amlan and Cameron from DBNY. They're a Shopify and Privy partner. Uh, they are an e-commerce agency. They specialize in concept and development and audience building. So um, a lot on, on the marketing front. We actually just had a really nice conversation uh, about that uh, earlier. And of course, one thing that they work on with their clients is increasing average order value. Um, and so that is the topic for today. Um, a bunch of people already submitted questions, so I'm going to lead off with some of those. Um, but as we go, please feel free to chat in, ask your questions. We're here to help you today. Um, we're here to answer your questions. So as we go, just jump in and chat and let us know. Um, uh, Cameron, Amon, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Thanks Dan. We're, uh, we're, we're super psyched about this. And um, thank you to all of Preview for uh, helping us get this opportunity as well. Um, we're pumped. This is what we do day in and day out. We'd love to share whatever we can. That'll be a little helpful for anybody who, who takes something away from it. Totally. And, and this, the sneaky thing I was just telling them before about this is that um, the, the <laughs> we're actually writing a book at Privy. Uh, we're writing a book about e-commerce marketing. And so the sneaky thing that I'm getting to do today, because I have my notepad set up, is uh, I get to take some notes from these guys as well. They're going to share some knowledge. So not only will this, this session be recorded and you'll get it later, but uh, things you learn here, you'll be able to get in our book, which we're going to launch this fall. So quick little plug for that. Um, Sneaky right, cool. Dan. Sneaky <laughs> Dan, that's right. Let's get rolling. Um, I'd love with just, um, I think it'd be great if we could start with just a basic definition of average order value. What is, it, what is average order value and why is it so important for an e-commerce business to grow? I'm going to let Amon take that one. Cool. <laughs> sure. Um, average order value. I mean, it's it's. I think we all know it's um, one of the one one of the most important metrics, in our opinion, at least, to to measure not just on an ad hoc basis, but consistently. Um, oh, throughout this conversation, I'm sure we're going we're going to be talking about different areas of increasing AOV, but also I think it's 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 definitely worth mentioning maintaining consistency in your average order value is equally as important and should be emphasized with as much. Um, priority as you do about increasing a, um, AOV. 
And the reason why AOV is important is because it helps you really figure out, or it gives you a little more focus in terms of your catalog offering. It helps you uh, get visibility and stay a little bit closer to seeing which products are moving, which products are not. How can you how can you purge or how can you consolidate um, some of your catalog offering to either bundle it or even come back and completely remove things as well. Um, and then and then. Through doing that, you can you can affect and also you can see how it affects your AOV um, intentionally or also you know on the on the other side of things unintentionally too, which is you know even more visibility that I think every merchant and every e-com uh, uh, person uh, within brands and within organizations should really just keep a, a pulse read on at all times. I can also pull up the Wikipedia definition too, if you want that. <laughs> no, I think that was great. I think, and, and so like one thing that, that I hear when we talk about AOV with, with customers a lot is, hey, I, I also have a discounting strategy. Discounting is important sure. in, in sure. Uh, capturing emails and growing your email list um, and incentivizing purchases. How do you balance, and this is, this is a, a, a huge question, obviously, but let's just try to maybe take a part of it. How do you balance a discounting strategy, strategy with still being able to, as you said, maintain and have a consistent average order value. How do you, how do you think about that? Is there a framework or is there a way that, that advice you would give us a, a small e-commerce business that is getting started and, and trying to balance those two things? I can take that one. Yeah, uh, please. I think that your discounting strategy should always be fully rooted in what you're willing to spend in order to acquire a paying customer. So... I firmly believe that you have to like give in order to get with customers, especially if you're a new brand or if you're small. A lot of small businesses don't have a lot of social proof or, or reviews. Um, it's hard to anticipate what the look and feel of a product will be that you're trying to purchase online until you actually have it in your hand. Something that has fallen off, especially because of the times that we live in and because uh, the physical retail market is very different right now. So um, giving like an initial offer discount, that's where we base, I would say 90% of our discounting strategy for our clients with. Now, this is different for all different kinds of sectors of business. This is for um, multi-skew sort of marketplace shops. Um, it can also be for a single SKU company um, that's selling, you know, one specific product. Giving that initial discount, you should be able to absorb that cost. Um, so at the end of the day, like your discounting strategy, it really needs to, you need to do the math. And um, I know that it's not like the sexiest thing to do, especially if you have all this other stuff to do. Um, but if you can figure out the math, find out exactly what kind of discount you're able to absorb in order to acquire a customer. Once you have them, the lifetime value of them increases, um, depending on your product offering, of course. Um, but that's how I think about discounting. Um, there are other ways to discount. The thing is, is, is if you begin discounting now, um, maybe it's seasonal, maybe it's because you're just trying to get rid of toxic inventory. You have to be very careful. Um, once you begin discounting and people kind of catch on, especially your fan base, you're going to have to discount forever. So I would work with very small tests to begin with, work with that initial offer discount, and then grow your discounting strategy from there. Um, 
I mean, there's plenty of brands these days that, that don't even participate in holiday. So in the November, December season, um, they're not discounting at all. Everything's at full price. Um, but we come back to the psychology of that give and get, right? Um, if you have a discount, maybe midsummer during the slump, like right now is a slumpy season for a lot of people. Maybe your initial offer is 10% off. You can change it to 15% so that you're still capturing emails. You're still putting people through your funnel. Um, but you're not, you're, you're just changing your initial discount offer. You're not adding a new discount. So you have to be very cautious of stacking discounts. It's not something that Shopify does out of the box. You need an app for that. So just be diligent about your code hygiene on the back end if that is something that you're going to do. That's a, that's a long answer, but I, I hope that that. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I think like to, to kind of recap, right? Like um, I love what you said because this is, I was just working on a blog post that we're publishing next week about the give and get principle of marketing of like, if you're going to give them something like a discount, make sure you're getting something in return. And a lot of businesses when they're starting out and they're new to marketing, they don't realize, Hey, if you're going to give a discount, it's okay to ask for an email or a phone number or whatever it is you they're looking for in return. Um, so that's, that's great. And I think another thing that came up in a conversation, some of the, the audience members probably joined us last week when we spoke to Kunle Campbell um, about average order value. And he was saying how, Hey, if you're going to offer that discount, think about building an experience on the website to try to like win back that 10% or 15% later with something like selling additional products. Right. So I think that's, that's totally true. My, my follow-up question to that is um, there are probably a handful of different ways. Um, I mean, average order value, like you said, you got to do your math, you got to look at your margins, you got to look at your CAC, you got to look at all those things, but there's probably a handful of ways of at least on a website, how to increase AOV by selling additional products. Do you, when you work with your clients, do they, is there a certain, is there a certain go-to plays or campaigns that you will pull out of sort of the tool belt and use to increase average order value? Yeah, I think, um, I think just adding one more thing to what the previous question was in terms of giving that giving and getting um, concept, I think that really needs to be appreciated at the top level first. Um, you can't get without, you know, asking for something at the same time too. And that's, that's okay. But at the, at, and on the other side of that, um, it, does, it always doesn't have to be a monetary discount. I think, I think a lot of brands um, may, think, may think that they may erode their brand or the offering of the brand if they provide like a first time discount. And sometimes those are just cognitive barriers that they just have to get past. And, you know, obviously product market brand fit matters as well, but it, it doesn't always have to be just pure play, your first offer, um, making it a monetary discount. You could make the incentive almost anything else, or I shouldn't say almost anything else, but something that is not purely tied to a monetary discount. And, and, and when you, when you think about it that way and you bring in, okay, what are some uh, strategies we can, we can think about deploying on, on maintaining or setting some, some frameworks up? One of the things that we always um, find that works is, is really making sure that you're putting some kind of structure on your, your checkout so that somebody must check out with the minimum order threshold or minimum order value. Um, obviously, for marketplaces that are selling all sorts of things, this can work exceptionally well. You know, filling filling the cart rather than getting a single conversion um, with fewer items, it's the 
the holy grail for these these larger catalog marketplace um, type of uh, uh, brands and 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 merchants. But for for single skew merchants and brands, this can obviously be a challenge. Um, we also are able to you know take that challenge on. And uh, for one of our clients, where we up their minimum order threshold, it it actually doubled their AOV, even though they had limited SKUs. So the way we the way you can do that, um, or because of doing that, there's really no consequence to doing it, right? They didn't have any fewer customers, um, and we re- we realized that this can really work. Um, but again, you know, it's it's all about doing the hard math there, right? So you first need to. Uh, take take a look at your AOV, and you should determine if it's profitable. That's that's step one. If your AOV is profitable, you can move on to um, the other parts of it. But you know, making maintaining and making sure that your AOV is profitable is the first priority. You know, it should have margin, um, and if it doesn't have margin, you should you should fix that first. Um, secondly, let's say your AOV is fifteen dollars, and you got a hundred sales uh, just this this past month. If you up your minimum order value to, let's say, $30 and you only got 500 customers, you, you effectively aren't making more money, but maybe you're saying, maybe, maybe you're you know, purely uh, moving forward on just getting, sorry, let me take a step back here. Maybe you're, you're, you're saving purely on shipping on that side of things too. Right, where if you're not getting more customers, you actually may be getting um, you're you're getting maybe more money, but you're also saving on the shipping side too. So really, that all that to say, like you have to test every scenario in order to get a clear answer. And this comes back to what we're going to say multiple more times: you have to do the math, you have to check the math, and you have to be open to doing both of those things when it comes to the the arithmetic of it all. We end up saying no to clients like all the time because. And not no to working with them, no to their ideas, because the math doesn't shake out. Yeah. And they're going to lose money on a specific test or an experiment. Yeah. It's great to experiment every single day, every single week. But if you can't make numbers work for a specific discount, or if you can't achieve a certain AOV that you want, like it's, it's not going to happen if the math says it's not going to happen. And I love that too, because like we say this in B2B sales a lot, which is like, know your sales math. So what you guys are saying is know your, know your e-commerce math, right? Start with your yep. AOV. That should be really a, 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 the, the determinant of, of what types of discounts, what types of campaigns you should be running. Because I think it's true that a lot of small businesses, at least what I've seen, they chase that increasing AOV, but they might not know their math uh, you know, yep. at the end of the day and how, is it actually long-term going to help them grow? So I love that. That's a great way to start. Totally. And it's, and it's not just pure play executional tactics that they have to think about. Um, you know, just putting a, a minimum cart, cart value or threshold is on the website is just one thing. You know, we haven't even talked about upsells or cross-sales and cart abandonment series and all of that as well, in addition to, um, you know, opt-in moments um, to, to further the experience or further the engagement. And we can, mm-hmm. we can touch on that. But um, yeah, it's not just a matter of, all right, how can I increase it? Let me try X, Y, and Z. Testing is great. But going back to it, if, if the math still doesn't add up, your, yeah. your, your tests won't have accuracy as well. Then you won't know where to scrutinize the math after the fact. So I want to remind everyone that's, that's joining us, please feel free to, to chat in and ask questions. Uh, many of you, again, have already submitted the questions that we're, we're talking about now, but I want to make sure that we're addressing the questions that you have. You're here today with us and, and you know these guys are here and, and, and ready to answer, which is um, um, an awesome opportunity to whatever you're 
struggling with the AOV, we, we want to be uh, mindful of and we want to talk about. So um, I think this is a good time. I'd love, um, while we're waiting for some more questions, I'd love to ask a little bit about like best performing campaigns or maybe just tactics, but best performing campaigns that you guys have run with your clients that have helped them increase their average order value. Sure. So um, one of our clients is out in LA. They are uh, um, a very well-known bakery. Um, simply by putting a minimum order value of $30 um, instead of 15 a single uh, box of their baked goods, um, or pre- I should say pre-baked goods, cost about $15. Um, they put it to, to $30. Uh, there's three different sizes of boxes that you can buy. Um, when they upped it to $30, they actually, as a strange consequence, ended up quadrupling their AOV. It went to Whoa. $60. Um, and when we scaled on the paid advertising side, it stayed. So you have to make sure that your AOV stays as you scale. Yeah. Um, it is a consequence of scaling. Your AOV mm-hmm. may, might drop. It happens all the time. It's not something to worry about, especially if you're achieving the, the volume that you need. Mm-hmm. And I know a few people are asking, like, what exactly is the e-commerce math formula? There is no specific e-commerce math formula. You have to understand your cost of goods. You have to understand um, what percentage of your AOV is your cost of goods. And don't mm-hmm. worry about your operating expenses or anything like that. Those should be fixed costs. That's, some, that's the cost of doing business. You need to hopefully cover that with what you're making. But just know that that's separate from the equation. So the percentage of your AOV that is cost of goods, you need to be able to figure that out. And if your discount still allows you to have margin beyond that, then you know that the discount is profitable. And and what would be a good margin? I don't know how much, I know this is a lot of your clients who's, I don't know how much you guys advise on this, but what would be a good margin, you know, if if we're looking at the cost of goods and then, you know, the discount you're applying, if you're still doing 10%, 20% margins, are those still good or like, or is, is there a compass? Does it really depend on the business and where they're at with their stage of growth? Uh, For me, it it totally depends on, on what their, honestly, what their tolerance is. If, if you are willing to have a 10% margin rather than a 50% margin, and that's just the way it is, that's the Mm -hmm. nature of your product, Mm -hmm. then things are always going to be a little bit tighter, obviously. I mean, yeah. we would all love margin above 50%. I think that would be dope, but it's, yeah. not, always, it's not always possible. It, we don't live necessarily in a world where we can sell a specific product that has that much margin on it. So I, anything over one, I would say is good. Yeah. Um, but you know, how, how does your operating expense change as you scale? If you have uh, a 10% uh, margin, basically, it becomes a 10% margin of error at some point. Yeah. Like you yeah. can achieve a volume where you suddenly are no longer profitable. This is really helpful. I think this is exactly what um, Linda, who asked that question, said, thank you. I think this is exactly what people are looking for. Um, I was going to ask you, if we go back to that best performing campaign, the cookies, um, sure. So this was essentially a pricing strategy change where you increase the price. It wasn't necessarily you ran a special pop-up or you changed something on conversions. It's essentially a pricing change, right? And did you say it went from 15 to 30 and that actually increased the, the, the price of one unit, but that increased it to, to 60, your average we actually, order value? We actually didn't change the price. We just changed Okay, sorry, the I misunderstood. 
Yeah, we just changed the minimum order value. It used to be oh, got it. Changed it to thirty. But as a as there's psychology behind this that we don't quite understand, but it it just sort of happened that way. Yeah. Instead of people buying the minimum order value, they have bought double the minimum order value. So now their AOV is sixty dollars, and it's held firm through massive scaling. Wow. So the original price, sorry, the minimum original minimum value was thirty. 15, and 15. that's what you moved to 30. Wow. Yeah. And so because yeah. all you did was move the minimum order amount from 15 to 30, but what mm-hmm. actually happened was the minimum or the average order value went from 30 to $60. Yes. Now this, I must, <laughs> this, they are a Cinderella story. They've been yeah. around for 44 years. They're a, a, yeah. a beloved brand in LA, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but this is a brand new product offering that they have. This is not an in-store purchase. Yeah. These are these are frozen goods that they ship sure. on dry ice all over the country. Yeah. And they exploded in popularity, uh, popularity, especially during quarantine, especially when we ended up scaling their ad spend during that time. Mm. So um, there could have been a scenario in which their AOV absolutely dropped. Yeah. Um, but it didn't. And thank yeah. you. <laughs> and, and the nice thing about like advice like that and what you're saying, like the psychology of a minimum order value is like for a lot of, um, people are joining us say there are a lot of small businesses that can that have the luxury of trying something like that and seeing, you know, if, if that actually does help. So that's an interesting thing to know. It, was, it wasn't some, you know, new app or some new tool. It was, hey, we trying to, it was basically a pricing strategy change where you right. drive the minimum value. And that actually has, the, it's, it's the psychology played into it. I'm sure someone smarter than us that knows the psychology could explain it better, but basically having a minimum order value got people convinced they should order basically, basically on average two of the, uh, of the mm-hmm. cookies than, than one. That's now, great. they yeah. also have a really fantastic initial offer discount. It's $10. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do percentages. We have found that a whole dollar amount, no matter what it is, yes. um, tends I've to heard that. Um, convert better because mm-hmm. humans are very good at percentage math. We're like yeah. 15% of what? <laughs> and I don't even know what my <laughs> final order is. Like, if, yeah. Somebody's like, I'm going to give you 10 bucks. Just right. 10 bucks off. You're like, hell yeah, like, let's do it. That's $10. I know what $10, $10. is. Like, I can buy me a salad or something, right? Like, I know what that is in, in the real world. I can apply that to, your, to whatever you're selling, right? So our client has a 75% return rate. So 75% of people that buy from them will buy again within a 90-day period. So wow. paying somebody $10 for no customer acquisition is like, yeah, absolutely. Because they're not going to use, they can't use that discount again. It's, it's yeah. also actually a, a great point of, of um, using a dollar amount versus a percentage is a lot of times those discounts are presented on like the homepage before someone's even seen pricing. So you have no idea if 10%, 20%, maybe 30, 20% is usually the highest that I see, what that actually means in terms of dollar value. But if you say, hey, here's $5, here's $10, here's $1, whatever. That's just like, you can associate that with, with anything that you spend money on in your life, whereas 10, 20%, you have to do the math, you have to think about it and see what the pricing is actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, the, the core competencies, like, look, we work with a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs that maybe don't have like a lot of basic with retail math. Um, I would encourage anybody to like literally look up like retail finance. And like, just read everything you can about it and look at pricing structures and stuff like that. That makes sense for your business because there's a lot of different 
calculations that you can put out there. I know Linda is asking for, you know, how, how can I swing a lot of this math? Um, I can't tell you without looking at your own AOV and looking at a lot of your own stats. Um, give me, give me a minute, like maybe later in this chat, I can pull up some of my, my math equations and share them with you guys. I'll also mention just when it, when it comes to that, that one campaign that we were talking about here, um, it's again, doing the math, you've got to do it right. When it came to us going from $15 of an, of a minimum threshold, uh, to $30, it wasn't us deciding, Hey, let's just double it. You know, we, we took into account what is their, um, average, um, uh, what's the average price of each of their products and the ones, you know, coordinating back with the team on the strategy side and talking with their catalog directors and everything like that. We also asked, engaged where they think the popularity of certain products may be down the line as well. So taking that little or doing that little bit of forecasting, not just with the math, but also with perception of, um, of, of uh, anticipated orders, just looking at historical orders too, and then, and then doing the math accordingly. So we, we found that $30 would have been the best, um, the best number without making it, making it feel like a barrier in terms of, oh, wow, I got to spend just a boatload of money just to get you know, whatever the incentive is, or even just to order. Um, and that's, that's why, again, doing the math is just so critically important to be able to even have answers to other experiments you want to run, like what your minimum order value should be. And if you don't test it, also, you won't know if you actually are turning people away. We've had clients who are really hesitant to put a, a minimum order value down because of the exact volume of people that they were getting below that AOV. If, if your goal is to get $30 for an AOV, but you're selling a mass volume of, of goods at $15 and in, in single sales of $15, like this might not be something that you can do. It's something that you can test though. There's one other way that you could test the efficacy of this without having to actually put a minimum order value. And that is to put a minimum, um, like put a, like a gated approach to free shipping. So we have a, a client that sells sustainable cleaning products. Um, and, you can get free shipping as long as you have $35 worth of product in your cart. Yep. Um, so that is an extra incentive on top of an initial offer. Um, yeah. And it's, it's specifically targeted at, at raising AOV without um, like people can still check out with 15 bucks or 10 bucks in their cart, but you only get free shipping if you hit that $35 minimum value. Um, it yeah. has worked to increase AOV. I would not say that it is as a strong indicator of like sustainable AOV growth, um, but it can show you pretty quickly if people are willing or not to get free shipping. Free shipping is like one of those things that like a lot of people don't think of. It's not as sexy of a discount, but yeah, but like, it works. It totally yeah. works. Yeah. yeah. And Amazon has really kind of ruined that totally. for a lot of people. Um, I have my own thoughts and opinions about free shipping and two-day shipping yeah. in general. But, it, but it's so true that Amazon has kind of paved the way for, because it has such, I mean, how many 300 million Amazon Prime users out there, right? Like, I mean, it just, it's, it's the, there's like the psychology behind, like they expect it there and, and people expect fast ship, like they, they expect it fast and they expect it free, right? Like they want, like lead time's a huge you know, uh, focal point for e-commerce businesses to cut down on that. So like, 
the free shipping thing, one, one thing that, um, that we do, or we were talking about in a previous session on this was, um, free shipping bars. So like you're, I think you're talking about like once they have something in the cart, but another way is like, if you run a free shipping bar, so like if they spend over a hundred dollars, they get, they, and then you just know your math, right? Like if they spend over a hundred dollars, they've paid for their own shipping and your margins are strong enough still that it's worth doing. Right. Or maybe it's like 150 bucks or hundred, whatever your, your numbers are. Right. Mm-hmm. $3,000, whatever. And then having a dynamic bar automatically updates. So as they add things to the car, it changes and says stuff like, Hey, only $80 away. Now you, you know, add, you know, two more products and you'll, you know, qualify for free shipping. Um, yep. That's a very popular use case as well. We know a lot of businesses are doing that. That's a feature that Privy is actually launching in a week and a half. So we'll have that built into our tool as well. Not, not to plug it, but like it's something that we just know is important and works so that's another good one is like free shipping. You're right. The psychology there is funny, but like free shipping, people will spend more money and buy more products just for free shipping. Just for free shipping. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a low lift um, give that you can offer. And um, you know, on, on, on top of that bar, you know, we, we actually think we actually believe a lot in just being able to provide cues and guide guidance throughout the, the shopping journey. It's not just mm-hmm. about offering, but it's also about presentation of the offer too. So having that, I think it's going to be huge for the merchants to be able to like just plop that right into the site and keep, keep the, uh, the, the visitors engaged and informed throughout the process. Yeah. Little, little nudging never hurts. And speaking of the psychology of it, like we've, we've seen personally, we, we have a lot of um, clients in the sustainability space. Um, maybe you're just buying one product and it's either recycled or you keep it literally forever. Like it's, it's a long-term <laughs> thing. It's not like buying a new iPhone or something like that. Yeah. So personally I've seen like a lot of qualified traffic that, and when I say qualified, I mean that we've done the research through paid advertising research to figure out who the best people are to send to a specific site. Um, and we found that a lot of paid social has already predetermined what a customer wants to buy. So that is, that can be difficult to overcome when it comes, when it comes to AOV, like we've exposed and re-exposed customers to one specific product or a set of products that they want to buy. When they come to the site, they're sort of, I wouldn't say that they're immune to like an upsell or a cross sell, but they're just already so low funnel specifically for, for our testing purposes, for how we do advertising, that they usually buy the one product that they want and then they move on. So um, they're not the kind of people that are going to be raising AOV. You're going to have to like really increase your traffic volume in order to kind of overcome something like that. That's more like theory and... Yeah, no, this is good. We're getting deep and I, I hope this isn't... I, I mean, this is exactly the kind of conversation I wanted to have today and hopefully... Um, this is really helpful for the audience too. Please chat in, keep asking questions because it's helpful. Um, other examples of websites, maybe it's clients that you've worked with, but other examples of like websites or brands that you just think are just killing it from an AOV, even if you don't know if they're actually killing it, but they have good examples of ways that you can increase your average order value. Any examples that, that you could, you can name drop that we could get people to check out later. I think for us, um, I mean, I've, I don't think a lot of companies are out there like kind of waving around what their AOV is <laughs> unless they are like, go for it. Um, I can probably tell you about a few of our clients. Uh, one of our clients is called Porto's bakery. They're the one out in LA. Um, they have a, a great AOV and they have used the minimum order value in order to 
increase their AOV very quickly. Um, another one of our clients is called Full Circle Home. They're a sustainability company that uh, specializes in cleaning products. Um, and they have the minimum cart value uh, for free shipping. So again, you can still check out no matter what your cart value. But um, I think that's a really great example um, of a, like some, some AOV business going on. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't have anybody else. I'm on to you. I was just going to say, I think even without um, talking more about our clients, I think, I think there is, there's an opportunity here to, to mention any, any time that there is ways you can bundle, that's almost a surefire way to increase the AOV. Um, one brand in particular, not our client, but we appreciate how they're going about it. And I'm sure they're seeing healthy healthy margins on it is Otherland, that otherland.com. It's um, a candle, uh, a really cool candle company, but you know, where you can, where you can bundle, you can create a more engaging opportunity for the experience and then also curate and, and boost up the AOV by having selection options and also um, different other, other criteria that you may throw in there to, to get a, 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 a order with a larger value on top of it. So they do a great job of having this, uh, this builder of your bundle, um, really cool experience. And we built something similarly for another client of ours called Hydrant. And um, they, you know, again, going back to whenever you can bundle, if you can do it, it's almost a surefire way to, to increase AOV. Uh, so I don't know other limb, but I know Hydrant and I, I, I haven't bought it for myself, but I bought it as a gift. And I will say, yes, that, that checkout, you guys built the checkout experience there or like yeah. the bundling where you can get multiple flavors. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and that, that's again, experience, the cues, the, totally. the, the, the guidance you need it all throughout the way. It can't be just, you know, a single touch point and you're yes. asking them for, Hey, we want more money from you, but we don't want to do yeah. anything about it. It's all about the, the whole journey it's, itself. Th- there's no, th- there's no get rich quick. There's no get rich, get AOV up quick scheme, so to speak. <laughs> it's like, that's what you're like. I mean, that's a great example of yeah. like, whether it's tea or it's candles or, 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 you know, uh, in this case, hydrants like water and, and, and sort of flavored yeah. water, like the bundling in, in that experience and mix and match, like just making it an, uh, the website experience great can help you increase yeah. your AOV. Yeah. And it doesn't also have to be, sorry, Cam, let me just get this out. It. it doesn't, it doesn't also, also just have to be exclusive to, you know, if you offer five products, it has to be the other four products that you're trying yeah. to bundle in. It could be, you know, anything that has somewhat of a proximity in relation to your product, um, especially if you can partner with some other brands and introduce yes. this sense of um, new flavor. Uh, and I don't just mean for, for food brands, but any sense of, you know, uh, cooperation or an alliance with another company in some way, if even if you can't offer that many products from your uh, internal catalog, there's ways to go about it creatively and still offer a bundle and get that AOV up there as well. Yeah. I, I don't, the only thing that I would say with bundles is like, please do not go crazy with bundles. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's offer, it. Offer yeah. Bundles are supposed to be simple. They're supposed to make your life easier, not make you think don't, more, right? Don't offer a bundle of bundles. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't put 15 freaking bundles on your website. Yeah. Put one, yeah. test how it does. Also, like if you're going to bundle it and you're going to throw a discount on because of a bundle, again, you better look at that math and it better make sense for you. Because yeah. yeah. I've seen businesses be like, oh yeah, we're doing a 20% discount. I'm like, what's your margin on it? And they're like, I don't know. 
you have to know. Yeah. You can't just bubble stuff unless you're trying to get rid of toxic inventory. Yeah. And if you have toxic inventory, you need even then you still have to do the math. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It probably makes sense when you're thinking about bundles to start with thinking about what would someone be if you're a business that has like you're selling shirts and someone might be stuck between two different shirts, two different colors of shirts. There's a red and a and a blue. And they love the red, they love the blue. Oh, which one do I get? If you can just think about those experiences on your website, oh, I can incentivize, give them a 15% off what it would be for both of them. And then they're thinking, wait a minute, it makes more sense. I I want both of them. So I get 15% off, I get both of them. Or pay full price if I get one individually. Like that's probably the right lens to be looking through bundles at, right? Totally, totally. Making it relevant to the actual purchasing intent and uh, the motivators of the purchase. That's the only way that you're able to offer value when you're trying to bundle because that's that's what it's about right not just the discount but the value of it yeah and and i and i bet one way of doing that would be going through and looking at your ben and cart uh history if you, if you can and maybe seeing you know where people are or even in your purchase history maybe people are leaving behind the red shirt but they're buying the the blue shirt right and then kind of mixing and matching like, wait a minute there's an opportunity there they're buying them individually but if i incentivize them with the discount to buy both of them boom there there i go i can actually start you know, increasing my AOV with a small discount for a bundle. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole other way to engage your, um, your abandoned carts and your unsubscribes too, but we can maybe save that for another conversation. Another session. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sign yeah. up for the next one. Um, well, I will say you guys are doing well so far because uh, Sue chatted in and asked if you guys have room to take on more clients. They're looking for, uh, <laughs> looking, Sue's looking for some help. So we'll have to connect Sue with you guys after so you guys can, can chat. Um, this chat. has been yeah, this has been great so far. Really helpful. I'm, I'm learning a lot. This is going to help us, like I said, with the book as well. Um, so oh, there's that plug again, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. I didn't mean to. It's, it just, it's, it's, you know, it's a, a natural way. So no, one, thing all, I was gonna, good. one thing I was going to talk about was, uh, or ask about, excuse me, was apps in Shopify. Do you guys use apps specifically for AOV? Like one thing that our audience loves to hear is, is just, you know, name dropping apps that help them, you know, with, with, you know, plug and play stuff. We've talked about the, I love what we've talked about. It's like the theory, do the math, some good things on pricing strategy, some good stuff, but like, are there apps that you guys often will plug in for clients um, specifically around AOV? I don't have any off the top of my head. And I'll tell you why is because yeah. in my sector of what I do for DBNY, I let all of our technologists figure all of the app stuff out, including yeah. <laughs> Amon is on that technology side. Um, but there's a lot of things that you can do just in Shopify out of the box without yeah. requiring an app. I believe you can set a minimum order value without having to download an app. I could be wrong about this. Do you know, Amon? Yeah, well, I, w- I will say um, we try not to use um, as many apps as as we possibly can, only because yeah. you know keeping not not having you know any kind of degrading of the code base or bloating your your stack. We we want to avoid that. Um, sure. There are some there there there's, some, there's nothing but great apps on the Shopify um, app ecosystem, and um, I, I don't have too many off the top of my head. I'm happy to follow up with you, Dan, and give you like a short list you can maybe share with the, the viewers sure. too. Yeah, that'd be helpful. great. Yeah, but, I have one. but when it when it comes to um, when it comes to you know these these apps, we actually prefer building out whatever the functionality needs to be natively um, within the store itself. 
And um, like with the bundler experience, we built that from scratch because it just needs to function specifically for that store. Um, apps are great, but as a lot of people know, you can't just necessarily make it um, one size fits all, even with customization options. There's a lot, there's a lot of other variables in there that needs to be considered. Um, but yeah, I think what, 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 we, what we can do is offer some, uh, a short list of apps that we, we know, like, and trust um, and provide it cool. maybe it'll be some value for everybody else. Yeah, it looks like people would like that. That'd be awesome. Cameron, you said you had one? Yeah, I, I'm just being silly, but this is true. Like you do have to have a room in your roster for privy. Uh, in your, oh, here we go. In your app suite. I wasn't asking that question. I wasn't setting you up for it, but it is here's, a good answer. Here's the deal. I'll, tell, <laughs> I'll tell the truth. There are multiple ways that you can raise your AOV just using privy. Um, number one, and this like basically creates a bundle experience at checkout. If you're checking out for a specific product, Privy can fire a pop-up that says, you know, what about adding this product to your cart? Um, it also has a cart saver option if somebody like reaches a specific threshold um, in order to kind of get them over the over the the line to get them to make the purchase. You can be like, take 10% off right here if they have $50 okay. or more in their cart or something like that. So yeah. Privy has a lot of options that work deeper in the the sales process. One thing that I have seen is that a lot of customers, like I said, have already predetermined what they want. And a, a lot of incentives while they work in stores. I because I I one of my favorite things about Privy is that it sort of mimics how um, a, a a store associate would like walk around the store and like ask you questions and like um, give you a specific discount if you're hedging on buying something. At least somebody who's proactive and good at their job. Um, and I always try to think of like when I when I visit a an e-commerce experience, I I wish that there was somebody there who could offer me a discount or a human experience right there. We don't necessarily have the time for that all the time, but like it's something that I I wish for. And Privy is able to do that through different types of pop-up services that it has, which is great. Um, another thing that you could do, and I've told many merchants this, but you have to be super proactive about this is you could use um, a chat functionality like Gorgeous or something like that, where you are speaking directly to um, consumers as they enter the site. And you should always arm your customer service people with two different types of discounts. I would, and again, do the math, make sure that these types of discounts work. But um, during Black Friday one year, we were working with a luxury bag company and Amlon and I would sit on Gorgeous, the chat, and offer discounts to people as they were going through the website. And we would say, hey, you like this specific bag here? Like, I can give you 10% off this right now. We would have a human actual conversation with these people and they would close right there. And we would also have a maximum discount account, like discount amount that we would be willing to get. This is a very hands-on approach and it requires having consistent traffic. You can't just sit online all today, yeah. all, all the time and just like wait for people to like take discounts from you. Um, it's really but that also, season. Yeah, I was going to mention, um, that's also another test that that company ran specifically. They wanted to see, okay, if we do engage our CX team, 
what do you think some some stop gaps or some guardrails could be to be able to you know make sure that they're not sort of you know going off the hinges and offering the the, the house here to the clients to the customers I mean and um, you know Cam and I we sat in we sat in with the with really the the C suite and some of their leaders on the CX team and we just basically rolled up our sleeves and showed them how it would be yeah. it would be received organically you know I love it and. Do and things that won't scale. To... That's what we always talk about. Try things that aren't scalable yeah, and, and see why, what the results are. Then figure it out. What do you what do you what do you have to lose, really? Exactly. Right? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's that's so good. Um and I was actually gonna that made me think about um forget like pop-ups, apps, stuff like that. Shopify, like what you can control with your actual like product pages. Are there things, are there is there information? that you should be putting on your product pages that's going to help you increase your AOV. I don't know if that's reviews or ratings or shipping or return policy or, you know, limited time offer. I, I don't know. Have you seen things from just an information, just sort of design or layout perspective um, on product pages that are going to help you increase your AOV? I think a lot of our customers, and I think most e-commerce businesses will know that this is true, are much smarter than they've ever been. Gimmickry does not work. Um, throwing a bunch of dumb apps on your site that like tell where somebody just purchased a product, like that's not going to work for you. Yeah. It's just going to slow the, mm. the loading process and stuff like that. Um, specific language on like a product page, I, you can test and test and test, honestly, into infinity. You could use Google Optimize and change specific pages and change the copy on them and see if it works. I mean, for us, like, we know that people experience shopping and experience commerce and pretty much everything visually and not through language. Mm -hmm. They see something that they want and they buy it almost without yeah. reading anything. The yeah. copy is the least important part. It, I'm not saying that it's not important. It's absolutely important. Do not have typos on your page. Please put all of the product detailed uh, info that you need on there. Um, but uh, your, your content should be fantastic. Yeah. Your photos product, should be fantastic. Product photography is such an underrated thing. We've, I've realized in my, as I was saying, six months in e-commerce, it's a huge lever. And you think about like, we were doing a teardown of websites before where uh, people, audience members submitted their website and we would go through and give them feedback. And like the ones that just like pop would have like the best photos. They're just professional. Yeah. They're, they're contextual, right? Based on, um, you know, whatever socks on with nice shoes or, you know, nice, like it's just jewelry on a wrist, you know, like they're contextual. They, they like the, that makes a huge difference in conversion, I'm sure. And it's hard to test that stuff. It's hard to really know, but it's just something you got to know. Better, better photos is going to help you convert more people. Well, you can well, test it all live through paid advertising. It's like the yeah. best channel yeah. to be able to test visual stimuli. Facebook ads, Instagram. Yep, yeah, totally. That's somebody, a good point. somebody did ask if um, reviews help. Absolutely. So there's yeah. the concept of social proof, and there's a few different types. One of them happens to be a super vanity metric, like likes and followers of a specific brand, like I can tell you right now that a lot of the brands that you love have likes and followers that are not real human beings. Um, and that's just the way it goes. And for a lot of human beings, we see like, oh, this is like by 10,000 people, it suddenly has more perceived social proof than something else. A review, a real review, I'm talking a real review, not some friend that you paid or didn't pay to review <laughs> your page. 
and you have an actual review module on your site, or maybe you have Google reviews or something like that, or Amazon reviews, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a real review can really change what somebody thinks about the, the pre-qualifications of your product before they buy it. Um, there are brand, certain brands that are like, we're not going to have any reviews because we don't need to, because we know that our product is fantastic. And too many reviews is really going to like, I, we, we talk about choice paralysis all the time, Amon and I do. Like, we, we don't want to give people too many choices whenever they land on any particular page. It's like they need to make a decision and go there. Um, I don't want to give them choice paralysis by putting literally 50,000 reviews on a single product. Like, there's no reason to do that. Yeah. And it's also going to slow your load time. Page loads. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It also, it also doesn't just start and end at the product page level, though. Right. It's um, it's, it, you know, as Cam mentioned, um, it is very visual and, and content still matters written content. Um, you know, you don't have to make a novella about it on your PDP, but um, it all it, it comes back to where are they in the in the funnel, in the journey. Right. If they're seeing if they're being served an ad that's very specific with that offer, the, the real thing to think about is does that offer match what's on the PDP, especially if it's going from the, the ad to the uh, the, the PDP itself. And if there's dis, if there's a disconnect between that, let's say there's a drop off in, in visual messaging or a drop off in verbal or written messaging, then there's a lot more friction and the barriers immediately go back up. Now, whereas if, if, if let's say they're not served an ad and they go from the homepage in a traditional, you know, uh, cycle of, of browsing and visiting the website, homepage, catalog page, PDP, um, you can get away with less information on the PDP if you have, well, one, if you have a limited uh, catalog of, of product and you're, you're, you're communicating the narrative throughout the pages. By the time they get to the PDP, they should already be able to know exactly what it is, how they need it in their lives, what value it'll bring to them by purchasing it, and then you meet them with actual incentives and the, and the strategies to get them to part with their money and become a customer of the product. So it's not just a PDP level. It's not, you know, the end all be all. It's about how else are they getting there and what led them to that point as well. Experience. It's experience, not just one conversion point. I'm with you. 100%. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I think for a lot of small businesses, creating an experience using an out-of-the-box um, template or something like that is really hard to do. Yeah. Conversion rate optimization is... It, it takes literally years to like learn and you're never co completely correct. Like the things that we do are slightly heuristic. Like you have to, you have to have processes and we have a process for what we know can work. And then we, we build upon that. We're always learning new things with new merchants all the time. Well, the, the good news is if there was another person that, uh, Shadeen chatted in about if you're taking new clients as well. So clearly yeah, you guys are, are putting on a good, uh, uh, clearly then that's a good point too, of just like hiring experts that have years of experience doing conversion rate optimization. That's going to give you a major leg up. You know, if, if you're a business and you're in that situation, that doesn't give you a major leg, leg up to bring in experts. You wouldn't hire someone to do conversion rate optimization that doesn't know how to do conversion rate optimization. Right. So like yeah. it's the same, it's the same mentality there. Um, we yeah. have a couple minutes left here. I want to make sure everyone knows, just chat in. If you have any more questions, these guys are happy to, to answer them. Um, this has been a really helpful conversation. I think it's, um, uh, it's great. Uh, Amelie, you mentioned earlier, like 
some stuff with like card abandonment. And I, I know that's like, there's like a whole nother world of card abandonment we can get into, but was there something outside of what we've already talked about, whether it's card abandonment or to follow up conversion that we should be um, uh, teaching uh, everyone today as it relates to uh, increasing order value? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's, yes, there's, but there's so much to talk about on card abandonment, right? Just, just sure. like with, with AOV, we spent an hour talking about the ins and outs and some theory and some, some other tactical aspects of it too. I think with card abandonment, you know, like it's, it's, it's great. Um, you know, you could scale discounts that way. You could bring them back and, and, and super segment them, um, based on interest, based on how you're based on, based on where else in the journey they've been that you've tracked, that you've measured, and then you can serve them with a, a corresponding follow-up that makes the most sense. Um, you could even, you know, well, Cam, do you want to share a little bit about how you can take that list of abandoned cards and maybe funnel them into another group of ads? Yeah, you can always target based on um, abandoned card volume. So I could target people that have abandoned card on my website and then retarget them through social media advertising or just email them um, directly. Um, there are a few different layers of that. I, again, abandoned card is something that we could talk about all day long. It's not where we, it's not actually where we see the most um, progress. We see, we see the most amount of revenue and sales come through um, a very detailed welcome series that we deploy um, using both Privy and, and um, some email software. But um, on the abandoned cart side, we see a lot of success targeting people and I'm sorry, retargeting people using paid social media with the abandoned cart metric dependent on specific time horizons. So 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Um, you want to start with a really large pool first and then retarget them um, and see if you get any action there. Uh, again, th this is like a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and just so we make sure there was a couple of people that had chatted in earlier um, looking to, to work with you guys, where should, where should they go? If they if they want to connect with you guys, um, and potentially be a client. Oh, are we going to throw something in, a, in the chat panel? Do you guys have a link? Oh, I don't yeah. know if Amon's underneath of me in the chat. He oh, okay. <laughs> he's, to me, he's on, the, he's on the left of you for, or on the right of you actually there. Oh, okay. Amon, do you, where, where should people go? Can we chat in and give them a link so they could check out the website or, or book a meeting? Of course. Of course. So I'm going to throw Cameron's email in there. That everyone can, everyone can email. Wonderful. And, um, and of course, you know, if you, if you want to go through just our website, it, it's just dbny.co. Very, very straightforward. There's a contact form there. Um, we can get in touch or you can email us um, directly and we'll, we'll be happy to set up a conversation to see how we can potentially help. Yeah. Please Fantastic. email me directly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cameron at dbny.co in case anyone missed it. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you very much. Unless there's any other questions that come through, I'll, I'll stall for two seconds here and just in case, but um, guys, thank you so much. That was really helpful to go through everything. I hope everybody that joined us today enjoyed it. And for everyone that will listen on the podcast later, um, hope you enjoyed this, this episode. And um, again, check out dbny.co or Cameron at dbn.co if you want to hear a little more from these guys and, and maybe work with them. Cool. Michelle yeah. said this was great. Thanks, Michelle.
Thank you, Dan. Thank you, everyone who's who participated um, in the in the chats and the viewers. Um, this was a lot of fun. Let's uh, let's see if we can do something else like this down the line. Well, I think we already teased out card abandonment, so we're gonna have to sign you up for that. Sorry, <laughs> I already committed. Let's, let's, I got the live commitment. That's how we do it. We'll come back. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We'll be back. Yeah. Love it. All right, guys. Thanks, Thank you. Everyone. Have a great day. Thanks, Thank everyone. You, Thanks. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Dan. Thanks all. Bye. Bye.